Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, we are here. We are just days away from Thanksgiving here in America. How are you feeling? I'm feeling grateful. That's the right word. Isn't it? It is. It's the right word. Uh <laughs> Last year at this time, we did an episode about what we were thankful for, Pearl Jam related. Yep. Um, I think we can just echo last year and say all the friends we've made, all the new listeners, all the stories we've shared, the people we met at Ohana, mm-hmm. actual concerts. The new music. The new music. Which uh, is still new. I mean, it's, it, it's still new. Very, um, very new. new it still has stuff. that new car smell. <laughs> well, and speaking of new Eddie stuff, we have another new song. Um, by the way, the album, the the Earthling album, comes out in February. Second single came out just a few days back. Yeah, it's got some bombastic Hat. Tom Petty Springsteen vibes. I don't know. Uh, well, the first one did the long. Yeah, one. and then the second out, the second song just came out. Which I, I think we actually heard it at uh, at Ohana, but I don't have any recollection of it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, when the halves came out in the last few days, what were your thoughts? It's 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 got, got it's poppy. It's poppy. Is yeah, it poppy? Kinda. I don't know. It's it's got a. Uh, it, it, it's not grungy. Let's put it that way. No, it's not. He's finding a lot of. Um, I don't want to say folk. But yeah, it's got a lot it's, of adult contempo things going sure. on. Sure. I mean, it's I, I could see he's he's listening to like a lot of. Um, like Tom Waits and Elton John and Springsteen mm, and, yes. and and Petty. I mean, you, you just hear the stuff coming out in the music. So a lot more of the singer songwriter stuff and less of yeah. the, you know, uh, the more, I don't want to say more dynamic because there's a lot of dynamics in, in these songs. There's a lot going on, which is cool. I um, think what I, what I like about it is you listen to a song like sleeping by myself and Brendan O'Brien was so convinced this was a Pearl Jam song that it had to be on a Pearl Jam record, even though we already heard it on the Uke album. And so here Eddie comes out and he puts this album together. And it's it's not Uke, you know what I mean? It's not all the same ukulele tracks. Uh, that's the wrong way to put it. It's not that that album was redundant or monotonous, but it, for the most part, it was, it was Eddie playing a Uke, you know? It, it, was, it was its own little moment in time. And I was curious if subsequent solo albums from eddie would feature that instrument and we're clearly getting our answer the answer is no so far over two <laughs> exactly uh yeah no I, I think i liked it um I, I don't like i said i don't i don't remember it too much from ohana which it's not distinctly pearl jam though you listen no, it's to these not. songs and i like that I, it, it's it's great for the 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 band to have outlets like this we know stone does it matt jeff i was just gonna mike, say mike does a lot of cameo stuff i mean it, it's it's unique and it's refreshing to hear what these guys do and how their influences affect their music when they're not bound by the constraints of, of being in a band with each other. 
Yeah, I, I think when we talked about the Painted Shield record um, some months back, um, it's definitely weird to put yeah. it lightly. I kind of dig it. It's like an album that I think I could I'd put on like maybe once a year and be like, oh, this is, I, I want something a little weird, a little abstract. Um, and it'll, it'll kind of tick a box and then I'll probably put it away again. Whereas, you know, of course, you know, put on Vitalogy, for example, listen to that, you know, 25 times in a year. But I like that Painted Shield was an opportunity for Stone to kind of scratch that itch. And this is an opportunity for Ed to scratch this itch. And he does it the way Eddie does it well. So I'm looking forward to the whole album. Yeah, me too. Now, there was rumors when we were in Dana Point that Eddie might tour with the Earthlings on his own. Mm. On his own with the Earthlings? It's kind of an oxymoron. Uh, Before Pearl Jam played the rescheduled dates. Now, we know that those rescheduled dates are happening in May of 2022 or starting in yep. May, I should say. And they, I, we already knew that they had some dates booked in June and July in Europe. So this actually lines up perfectly. Uh, Paul, we're going to see the boys here in LA properly two years later. I know it's nuts. Um, you know, we had tickets to that show and was super excited. And then COVID said, not today, <laughs> not this year. And it's, very invigorating and uh i can't begin to tell you how excited i am it, it, it's weird because it's almost as though ohana it it satiated that somewhat and as i mentioned to you when we went to those to, to that show i mean you went to all, all all of them i only went to the one with you but i had said it's like it was just yesterday that we saw them and i couldn't believe it had been what, like 13 years or something or eight years i forget how long eight it years been. Yeah. So, some insane amount of time and <clears throat> It really did feel like yesterday. So I'm curious to be able to see them again so soon. Uh, and I think what I, I almost like the fact that I, I didn't hear all of the music that you did. Hmm. It, it gives me the added advantage of having a lot more to look forward to. <laughs> yes, there, there, I have less songs to tick off my Gigaton uh, Pearl Jam tracker. Yeah, there was just one left for you, I think. Uh, comes, then goes, and... Um, I want to say one other, but maybe not actually off the check afterwards, but, um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird that we actually have some, and we're not going to the exact dates until the new year, but it's weird to say, yeah. Hey, we can look forward to this now. And I know everybody listening, you guys, I would assume many of you, uh, have held on to your tickets. Some of you may, may have said, you know what? I can't do it. I gotta, I gotta do the refund and I'll just try and rebuy them when the shows come back around again. Um, I think we were lucky enough to say, you know what? We can hold off. We'll, we we have some lovely seats on the uh, on the flat surface in the middle of the arena, so uh, we'll stay we'll stay pat there. And um, it's just it, it's a it's a it almost feels like the warm glow in my in my cockles area over here, you know, the upper <laughs> chest region that yeah. I got last year when they gave us that free uh, remastering. Uh, you know, semi-volt drop of Atlanta 94. Okay. It's like, oh, that's lovely. I like that. It feels good. It feels right. It does feel right. <laughs> it absolutely does. Well, we teased it last week. 
it's something we like to do on this show. We've done it uh, five times, I want to say. This this might be tipping us towards the second half of what's available. Uh, this is retracking the episode. Uh, retracking the episode. This is retracking the album. And the album this week, I gave a little Easter egg earlier, a little, little, little tease. It's Vitalogy. We are retracking Vitalogy. If you thought 10 was hard, I think this is might actually be harder. What do you think? <laughs> I'm with you. I think uh, I think it very much could be in a lot of ways. It, it, this this was a bizarre album to try to to retrack. It was, like, do you, it was. Do you leave in the weird interludes? Do you use them? Do you, uh, how do you how the do you vast majority of Pearl Jam fans would? I shouldn't say that. I'm, this is pure conjecture on my part, but I would imagine that there are many Pearl Jam fans that believe that taking out um pry to ie davenita foxy mop and bugs would trim the fat Mm -hmm. and it would leave it as one of the the most well executed arguably greatest pearl jam albums of all time Mm -hmm. that there's a there's there's an argument there that that's heavily bolstered by a massive swath of the fan base i read something uh in my in my episode research this week, some somebody wrote up, you know, a, a, a breakdown of bugs, an analysis, if you will, and said the exact same thing. You could argue that if you lost the four interlude type <laughs> tracks, you'd have nine bangers. It'd be, it'd be a yeah. near flawless album. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that, but it would, it would change what this album is. Oh, for sure. Now, the point of this episode and the point of this series that we do is to change the record. And sometimes, and probably often, not for the better. <laughs> but we do it anyways, because it's fun. And we're all about fun here, Paul. We sure are. So I'm going to lay it out. You guys all know this, but I'm going to lay it out here. Uh, the track list and any available other songs. Last Exit. Spin the Black Circle, Not For You, Tremor Christ, Nothing Man, Whipping, Pry 2, Corduroy, Bugs, Satan's Bed, Better Man, Aya Davinita, Immortality, and Foxy Mop. Um, the other available songs, there actually aren't many. It's like, uh, I think if we're being really honest here, it's maybe out of my mind, but that's, just, that's really an improv. And you can't count Long Road and I Got It because those are done with Neil. And Falling Down, maybe? I think Hard to Imagine probably qualifies. You could, you could, you could say Hard to Imagine as well. I mean, that's Just because it was in every recording thing. session leading up to this. Yeah, yeah. It was available. Um, if you want to say, if you wanted to include it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad. I, for me personally, and I'm giving something away, I, I did not include it because I felt it was more of a versus era thing. Um, but nevertheless, it's on the table. So with that said, as is tradition, Paul, why don't you lead things off with your retracking of Pearl Jam's 1994 classic that came out this week, 27 years ago, Vitalogy. Right. So I'm going to give you two different trackings. One is very brief. What the fuck? And, 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 and one is really for the purpose of this exercise. Okay. One of them is my preferred one, though. It's very, very brief. Okay. But okay. first, I'm, I'm going to give you the one that, that uh, I think fits the mold of what you're looking for here. 
Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So the one that you prefer is is the short version? Correct. Correct. Really? So why don't you just go with that? It'll make more sense when when I'm done. And I know most people listening are thinking, well, obviously the the short version is trim the fat, give us the nine, and play with with that, which you will. Uh, He's like... No, Maybe. the reverse. I lose all the song. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, um, wow me. I'm going to wow you now. You okay. ready? Yep. Okay. So, I think the the first song I, I would open up with here is is Satan's Bed. Actually, Go no. On. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was looking, oh, looking at something. I, 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 <laughs> I, I would open up with Satan's bed. Okay, I would. I would open up with Satan's. Well, yeah, bed. I thought you said you weren't going to do that. No. Well, I was. I was debating which track listing I was going to go with. But I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one first. So we're I would open with, with Satan's with the, bed. With the long, opening, long form. We're going with the long form. We're opening okay, okay, with okay. Satan's bed. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I, I think this song does a great job of kind of uh, setting the tone for the album. You know, this album, the genesis for this album. Initially, the, the album was called Life. And then eventually, after Eddie found, I think it was at the garage sale, this uh, very old medical book that had a variety of outdated information and recommendations and, and study, they went with Vitology, which later informed the, the graphic design and the production of the album itself as it would later be released. And in, in many ways, it was a, a, a renaissance and a celebration of vinyl. But more importantly than that, Vitology, the word, means the study of life. Mm-hmm. So this album very much explores a wide spectrum of what it means to be alive. And it, it, it doesn't lean on political social commentary the way that we see a lot of tracks on prior albums and definitely tracks on subsequent albums do. This is a very intimate album. I think this album is, is arguably the, their best, mostly because there are no grandiose statements that extend beyond the realm of what they know. Uh, it, it's very Ed-driven. This is the first album that Eddie really plays guitar on and, and led the process of, of the songwriting. Prior to this, it was very Stone and, and Jeff-driven. I think with this album, we get a real exploration of, of life as they knew it at the time. And this battle with fame and, and this, this, this existential exercise of, of writing an album while they're on the road touring for verses. I think that can't be understated that this album was constructed that way. And a lot of folks wonder, you know, why aren't there more songs? Well, you're writing it while you're touring and there's only so much time you have to write. And uh, I think a lot of people attribute these quote unquote filler tracks to that, you know, that if they had just took a moment to themselves, paused, regroup after a little bit of an extended break, like they do these days, maybe they would have went into the studio. You wouldn't have received songs like uh, Bugs and, and, and Tremor Christ. But I disagree. I think that this album was recorded exactly when it needed to be recorded. And it was a captured moment in time that essentially amounts to lightning in a bottle. So I would open with Satan's Bed because I I think that there's this uh, angst-driven lashing out at the music industry. You know, that that this idea of being in bed with... uh, the corporate conglomerate that essentially makes you feel like you are a slave to your own success and this desire to break free of that. From there, I would ante up with Spin the Black Circle. So it's the same correlation here to the original track listing with Spin 
coming in at number two. But what I like about this track is the controversy that it sparked with with uh, the use of heroin, because that has nothing to do with the song. <laughs> but uh, and we talked about this, that the whole Kurt Loder segment on MTV, where they you know they were, they were examining whether or not Pearl Jam deserved to be under fire. Lots of social um, and religious affiliated groups had had attacked the band and criticized them for writing a, a, essentially a, a pro-drug song when, when in fact it's about vinyl. <laughs> and uh, I think what was great about it was after a song like Satan's Bed, which is very critical of the industry by which serves you and you serve, there is also this reflection on the, the, the beautiful time, the, the beautiful age of music that they wish that they belonged to. They wish that they were just writing music in an era where music was celebrated and it was a renaissance and a rebirth in a way that the 60s and the 70s were for a lot of the bands that they grew up listening to. Instead, it, it's kind of like a corporate empire. You know, it's very much uh, monetarily driven and it, it, it's, it's about writing certain hits and fitting into a certain formula, which is somewhat ironic because if you look at music in the 1950s, it was all very much single and hit driven. It wasn't until we saw bands breaking free of that, notably with the Beatles, essentially saying we're done touring, we're done writing these formulaic hits, There's, the formula is done, we're breaking the mold, and they started writing for themselves, and they just started experimenting, and you had bands like Sgt. Pepper and the White Album that really uh, typified and personified that whole movement, and it just opened up the eyes of recording artists all over the place to see what they could do. <clears throat> and so music was never the same after that. I've been on record multiple times on this podcast as saying that the Vitology is the Pearl Jam White Album to me. I think it is, it, it's, it's the same statement being made in a lot of ways, but more importantly, creatively, I think it's a sound mirroring or reflection of what that album represented on a lot of levels as well for the Beatles. So after Spin the Black Circle, I would go into Not For You. I think this track is the answer to the question that, that, that is being explored here. Like, who are we writing this for? This, this, this music, this vinyl that we so love, it's not for you. I would follow that up with Bugs, which I think is kind of the culmination of that criticism. And hmm. I would then lead into Corduroy, which is a, a mocking of themselves. So they, they go from this, this hatred of this industry that essentially is, is shackling them to their own fame. And then this segment of the album ends with a, a bit more of a deeper reflection into how their image has been and their identity is being monopolized for profit is exploitation mm -hmm. and you could flip those by the way you, you could start with quarter and end with satan's bed or, or or end with not for you this segment there's a lot of ways to play around with that arrangement i thought this worked uh i thought that coming into an album with those the the, the whip what i thought was an interesting <laughs> way yeah. to, interesting way to crack into the, yeah. their third album so i had fun playing with that uh, so then I would end this little meditative set with Pride 2. And, and I think that it, it's just a nice way to kind of reflect on the value of privacy and, and how important it is and how necessary it is and how elusive it has proven to be. From there, I think the album takes a different direction. We think we dovetail into a, a more intimate reflection into love and, and life and relationships. And so I would then move into Tremor Christ followed by Nothing Man, and then Aida Venida. So uh, what I love about this little sequence here is you get a, a song like Tremor Christ, which it, it's very, very beautiful, but it talks a lot about being lost. 
and and looking beyond what you can see and, and, and longing for something that, that that you need. And I think that after the first half of the album and that examination in, into what this this great engine of this musical powerhouse that they've become, how it has drained them in a lot of ways, the idea that they're just adrift, you know, winded is the sailor. And they're on the road, obviously, as they're recording this, and they're searching. They're searching for an identity. They're searching for a light. They're searching for a path, a beacon, something to ground them, to bring them home. Aida Avenida, I think, is fascinating because it's the song without words, but in, in the liner notes of the album, it's actually a poem. And uh, it's, it's a poem about the, the trials and tribulations of, of this girl. Uh, I'm going to read the poem really quickly. Uh, she laid alone during her best days uh, as a work of art, reading naked on the bed. Spent some of her best days cleaning carpet from her hair. Spent her worst days owing you the pleasure of taking blame. Spent her whole life disbelieving in her worst fears. A work of art, a work of art. So this idea that the, the, the yin and the yang of life, life itself is a work of art, right? Art imitates life, life imitates art. So I think that it's this more meditative, existentialist reflection on what all of this means in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's a, a perfect midpoint here to a degree. But following that, <clears throat> I would then go into whipping. So we had Nothing Man before oh. Aida Benita, right? So we had Tremor Christ, Nothing Man, and Aida Benita. So Nothing Man, Eddie's on the record saying this. You have something good, don't screw it up, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And, and that, that you'll be left with nothing. And I think Aida Benita is a wonderful bookend to those thoughts. Um, I thought about wrapping in Better Man with it as well. It was a, kind of a nice one-two punch in terms of perspective. But I went with whipping here instead. I thought whipping was was a, a nice follow-up to Aida Avenida, mostly because depending on your interpretation of the lyrics of whipping, it could very much deal with the debate over pro-choice and pro-life. Mm. And, and and the lyrics are, are laced with a lot of metaphor, I think, in a lot of ways. But if, if you want to take them for surface value, it, it, it's it's almost like it's hitting you in the face to a degree where you're thinking, how do, how am I not saying this? <laughs> but uh, depending on your interpretation of lyrics, again, so it, if, if I interpret them this way, I think it fits nicely here as a follow-up to Aida Benita, mostly because it, it's uh, the other side of that conversation in terms of the girl's point of view followed by the man's point of view. Then we get Better Man, which is essentially that this relationship finding itself in this disillusioned place but we don't it, it, i don't like having nothing man after it only because there's that realization that i'm now left with nothing and i don't think that that's the case that uh, i would then follow up better man with last exit which is uh, essentially just a, this release so it almost feels like a, an album closer but with this release comes a price and that price is foxy mop <laughs> That, that price is fucks him up. But that's not how I would end the album, though. I would still choose to end the album with Hard to Imagine. So, to recap, in this particular iteration, Satan's Bed to Open, followed by Spin the Black Circle, then Not For You and Bugs, Corduroy and Pry 2. That kind of wraps up side one, if you will, which is a, a bit of a, a grander uh, examination of, of the pitfalls of fame. On the flip side here, we'd get Tremor Christ, Nothing Man, Aida Vanita, Whipping, Better Man, Last Exit, Foxy Mop, and Hard to Imagine was probably much too long for one side of a record. 
but <clears throat> I thought it was an interesting way to split. So that is, it, it was a creative kind of, I don't want to call it haphazard, but it was an attempt at just rejiggering this mm-hmm. all and, and trying to make some meaning out of it. it. If I was ultimately given the latitude to retract this album and, you know, Pearl Jam said, Hey, come in. They just, they want you to retract it. What do you think? It's really simple. What I would do, I would tag on hard to imagine and leave the rest alone. I wouldn't touch a thing. I think at the track listing as it is, is perfectly, it's, it's perfectly aligned. Uh, I, I don't think that it's the type of album that needs to be coalesced into, into groupings of themes or story. To me, a study of life should not do that. It, it's not a st- study of one life. I like the fact that it's fragments and vignettes and pieces and, and that it's scattered. I, I think that's what adds to the majesty of the album. In fact, grouping it the way that I've done here, I think uh, actually undermines the very process. <laughs> so uh, if I had to retract this in real, uh, I would most likely just leave it as is, tag on hard to imagine, which I think should have been the album closer all along. And I will call it a day. And I, I, I like the uh, the added minutes there. Just give it more of that white album feel. It gives me more an excuse to uh, split it into two. And there you go. One of the greatest Pearl Jam albums of all time. I want to make sure I didn't mishear anything. Did I leave something off? You left Immortality off. Was that Oh, no, I did. You're right. I, that was not intentional. Okay. I, that was not intentional. So... Uh, for immortality, I would have put in that actually in between Better Man and Last Exit. Copy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll read I, that I, to you I, again. I figured that must have been a mistake because there's no way you're leaving it. It was. There, 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 there's no chance. So okay. go Satan's Bed, Black Circle, Not For You, Bugs, Corduroy, Pride 2, Tremor Christ, Nothing Man, Aida Vanita, Whipping, Better Man, Immortality, Last Exit, Foxy Mob. Hard to imagine. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, funny enough, when we spoke about I think the last one of the last couple of retrackings, I mentioned that I was kind of maybe foreshadowing that I thought Last Exit should be the album closer for la- for this album. Compelling argument. I, and, I, I toyed with it. Yeah, and, and and what I what I tend to do with these these practices, these exercises, is I just kind of look at the track listing and I just start dropping things together, just like gut. And then I go back. Well, what I'll do then is I'll, I'll listen to like the first and last like 15 seconds of each song to see how they play into each yeah, other. Yeah, that's important. I do the same thing. You got to make sure it feels right in, that, in, in the music. And then I'll go through all the lyrics and be like, does this fit what I'm trying to say? Will these two back to back make sense together? Yada, yada, yada. Because that's kind of my thing, right? I try to make everything yep. a concept. Of- <laughs> and what's a bigger concept than life? So it was more important <laughs> on this album to get it right than any other album we've done for me. I hear you. So this was tough. Like I said, it was, it was tough. I think there's some things that we definitely will agree on that you'll see. And I think there's some things that I'm like, nope, not me. <laughs> so let's kick things off. By the way, I, I think I had like three or four iterations of this before I finally settled on my final, which I'm actually not. I'm like 98% happy with it, but I feel like if I had even more time, I'd probably tinker because actually primarily of what you said about a couple of things. But anyways, here we go. What's going to be last is still first. Last exit starts my album off. Uh, I always love the way this song musically kind of fades in like an orchestra readying their instruments before the overture and then bang, Dave cuts in with that beat, you know? Yep. And I think... I think mentally a lot of the band, but definitely Eddie, 
were feeling a bit isolated. You know, you have the instant success of 10 in verses, sending them even higher. You know, greatest first week sales in history to this point in another five for another five years. And they were looking for ways to dampen everything. Everything was coming at them and there was nowhere to hide but within. And this song is them finding the confidence to let the past be the past and really start advocating for themselves. So ultimately, I felt this was the right song to pop out of the gate. We go into Corduroy. First declaration. Hey, media, I'm not for sale. You cannot make me a commodity, even if you try and steal what you think it is that makes me me. That's what it's saying here for me. It is setting the table for the next few songs. Uh, you have the lyric here, you know, I don't want to take what you can give. I'd rather starve than eat your bread. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the I'll take the vermin's path, you know, a lovely foreshadow to bugs later on. Yep. Um, all those who pretended to be there for you are just really there to use you, is what he's kind of saying. And, and fuck them. Because Eddie's saying, I'm free and you can't buy me and you can't be me. That's a good way to start. Right out of the gate, let everybody know where you stand. But there's a lot of things to be angry about. Um, and we're continuing with that. And that's going, we're going with whooping. Time to turn it up a notch. The anger is boiling over by now and Ed's targets have grown to the system, not just the media, government too. And you, you kind of said, you know, which way could you take these lyrics? I took them kind of face value, but kind of broad as opposed to really focusing in on okay. one thing or the other. Um, a louder declaration of inclusion. Hey, everyone, they're trying to take advantage of me, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just like you. We can't take this shit anymore. And the song title, forcing our minds to think of us all as tools, like farm animals or something, to do what they want us to do. Um, if we thought Versus was angry, this is a pretty nice way to reach back and shake hands with that feeling. You know, that line... We all got scars. They should have them too. I fucking yeah. love that line. And and now Ed is the one whipping. He's whipping us into a fury, a righteous one. So now we're three songs in. We're all feeling like we're one. We're, we're in this thing together. We feel Eddie's trying to convey. Uh, we feel part of it. And we go from there into Satan's bed. So we start with a nod to the last song with a whip. And this one is for those who think... Ed is lying, I think. For those who think Ed is a fraud and is just playing up his disdain for corporate media, Big Brother, etc., to get attention or because the kids will lap it up. Basically, if you think I made a deal with the devil, you'd know. The proof would be obvious because I'm as real as it gets. The balancey guitars are simply an unassuming way to deliver the same kind of biting remarks Ed has been making to this point to his doubters and his adversaries. So I kind of like that kind of you kill him with kindness sort of thing with how the music kind of bounces around. But the but the the attention and the words are still as biting as whipping and corduroy. We go from there to not for you. So now Ed's like, fine, if you can't take the hint, <laughs> if I was even making hints, here you go. This not just this album, but what Ed is, what the band is, isn't for you. You of course, being the haves, the media, the government, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone Ed has been railing against. And perhaps those people didn't get the point or perhaps their persistence has forced Ed to just flat out declare what he's been more poetic about previously. Leave me and those like me 
the have-nots, the regular Joes, alone. Last time we're gonna say it. In the outro, that 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 kind of Ed and Jeff kind of twinkling of guitar and bass, uh, that's that's the band exhaling, receding away from their anger a little bit. They got they got out what they needed to say, and they're calming down before bugs. You know, Ed mentioned it earlier how he's calmer, but he's certainly aware the world hasn't changed around him. He's, it's still trying to change him, buy him, be him, exploit him, etc. Ed has to wrangle with this. These fuckers never stop, man. They never, ever, ever stop. So what can I do? Ultimately, he decides it'll be easier to find a way to live with them than try and uh, fend them off completely forever. So from there, we go into Pride 2. We need a bridge, you know, at least musically. The album needs something to give a break for the listener. And the first half of the album was so intense, so negative outwardly towards the world around us. And really, Ed just wants to be left alone. He said his piece, just give him some privacy. I love that this is also kind of an allusion to no code as well. Yeah. And so that kind of pivots Easter us. Easter vibes there. Exactly. This kind of pivots us as it did for you, I think. It might have been the same track to, to pivot to the second half or side B, if you will. And like you, I'm going with Tremor Christ. I, I think the best song to transition from the first half to the second would be this one. Uh, we're getting more personal and focused on specific relationships now. The outside world is what it is. We have to move on. Um, but one thing is consistent between the macro and the micro, and it's small decisions can uh, reap big-time consequences. And when in a romantic relationship, that could spell doom. And if you have one thing to hold on to in this fucked-up world, it surely is love. And if you screw it up, of course, you get Nothing, man. And if you have love, as you mentioned before, as we talked about many times before, and you fuck that love up, you are left with nothing. You are nothing, man. Once divided, nothing left to subtract, right? It's as simple Great as line. that. It's as simple as that. The real track listing has this right. Um, these two songs are easily two sides of the same coin. And I think establishing the point these two make now serves us well for what's next. For me, that's better, man. Uh, we all know what this song is about. Woman needs to get out. She needs to leave this abusive relationship and has and be as honest to him as uh, she's not been with herself. But it, it, it takes strength. And, and that can be hard to find when you've been put down for so long. But the music implies she eventually does. I mean, the refrain of can't find a better man lives right next to she dreams in color to me suggests that she will make it right now. She hasn't. But she will. There's hope. This this song always implies hope that she will find a way out. And I think from there, we use Aya Davinita as a lovely kind of um, postscript to that or even a bridge to the next song. You know, Aya Davinita, you mentioned the liner notes, um, the the poem about the girl, the good and the bad, uh, her best days and the worst. I, I think it really does a great job of being an epilogue to Better Man while creating some space, musically speaking, for the final number, which of course is immortality, and, and to put up with life and what it served you for so long and, and finally think you need to find a trap door from it is pretty brutal. Uh, I'm not saying either one of the earlier subjects would get to this point, um, that being Better Man, um, but I'm not saying they couldn't. And this record is about dealing with stress from the outside, from a personal perspective, and similar to how Versus ends the subject is asking the question, what's the point? <sighs> it's a pretty depressing way to end a record, but it's a reminder that the anger and frustration 
in the first half and then the despondency and heartache in the second can sometimes be too much to handle and sometimes in their eyes the only way to live is to die so i ended it there i i, I did not include hard to imagine as i mentioned before yeah. i did lose foxy mop and i did lose spin the black circle i thought that spin the black circle did not really thematically make any sense um and it's really uh, a b-side um it's kind of just uh it's what let the records play could be if they tried is that what you're yeah, trying to <laughs> exactly exactly so and, and to, let's be honest i've always enjoyed the song it's a fun rock and roll it was, song it, it won a grammy somehow it won a grammy of all the tracks on this album isn't that fascinating i know and i think uh, because of the controversy of what a lot of people <laughs> thought it was maybe maybe but that was I, I believe it was your choice for most overrated on the album it was and but that doesn't mean i, I would pull it off well it does for me paul okay <laughs> So I'll go through it one more time. Uh, last exit, Corduroy, Whipping, Satan's Bed, Not For You, Bugs, Pry 2, Tremor Christ, Nothing Man, Better Man, Ayatavanita, and Immortality. Thoughts? I think it's great. I, I think you, you did exactly what I expected you to do. You're so predictable, Jason. I am predictable. <laughs> That's true. You, you love the concept albums. I, you know, what I, what I like the concept of a study of life. And uh, to me, this album is like a Wes Anderson film in a lot of ways. Ooh. It's just, it's, it's just these little snippets, these little slices. And, and I think that it's okay to, for me to not have to, to weave a through line across every track and, and, and tie it all together. I like the fact that we, we just kind of weave in and out of these different ideas as we uh, embark on this, this study of life. So it's it's it is my second favorite pearl jam album there are days where it really does rival 10 for me mm -hmm. even with what a lot of folks call filler because again to me those songs are, are absolutely necessary to the integrity and uh, the realization of the ambition of this album and so i don't think this album realizes its ambitions without those tracks um, granted it doesn't mean i go out of my way to play a song like bugs or uh, foxy mop on their own but I cannot fathom listening to this album without including songs like Aida Vanita, Pride To. But I just, they're so um, intimately woven into the fabric of what this album is about. Uh, I would have loved to have gotten Hard to Imagine on here. Mm. That said, though, I, I think it's, it, it really is a masterpiece on a lot of levels. And I know not everyone agrees with that. But I know it has its fans, in a lot, and there are a lot of Pearl Jam fans that are really big on this album. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with your second track listing uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I do think that the interludes, if you can call them that, um, are there for a reason to break things up to to for the same reason that you know a lot of um, I would say hip hop albums have a lot of interludes to kind of break their songs up and they, they use them as bridges, right. To get from one, you know, it might be a skit. It might be a, a spoken word thing it might, to get from one to the next. When those two songs on the outside of it might not have anything to do with each other. Um, there's a reason to drop these things in there. And, and many artists have done it over the years. I mean, look at uh, the wall, same thing. Um, yeah. Obviously the white album and yeah I, I don't have a problem with the original at all but you know i gotta challenge myself paul as as did i as did i 
Well, gang, let us know what you think. Uh, how much do you hate me right now? How much do you hate Paul? Probably less than you hate me. That's fine. <laughs> I can live with that. What would you make your, your track listing be for Vitalogy if you had the opportunity to do so? I would love to know. And uh, let us know in on Facebook or on the uh, on the show posts on Instagram. And we will be sure to comment back and tell you how much better it is than, uh, than mine, at least. <laughs> with that, with that, let's get to our lyric of the week. All right, gang, lyric of the week, of course, comes from Vitalogy, and it is not for you. lyric of the week not for you do you mind if i go first this time please i usually like to go second i know uh, you do i like to, I like to make, make make sure people hear the, the good shit first but this is the, the, <laughs> this they, is they a can. good balance i i initiated the uh, album retracking so it's, it's apropos okay all right not for you the innocence of being a kid there's a lot of value in being that pure and it's lost on adults in fact, how many adults bemoan or insult such things as ignorant and stupid? Sure, what we say as kids is naive, but we mean it. We don't know any better, but to be honest with each other, you know, whenever you go to like a supermarket, sometimes there'll be like a, you know, actually, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't just make up a story. I can just tell you a story. Went to the supermarket one time. With my four-year-old, I think he was a little bit younger, maybe three. And uh, there was a larger person uh, ahead of us in the checkout line. Look, it's a fat person. <laughs> Kids are honest. They don't know any better. They're just honest. They just say <laughs> that stuff. That is terrible. <laughs> How did you address this? Uh, Aside from in the moment being utterly shocked and mortified. Uh, well, <laughs> after I stopped chuckling to myself. No, um, I, uh, I was like, God damn it. Have some and, decency, Jason. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little um, red-faced and uh, tried to, I, I'm not sure if he heard me or not because he didn't turn around. Yeah. But I was just like, please don't say it again because I don't want to have to have this conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, why is the value of honesty lost on adults? What is it about growing up that makes adults so cynical? And what is it about the world that makes them that way? Some adults remember the honesty and innocence and try to repackage that as humility and empathy when they're older. The question is, why don't the rest of us or why don't the rest of the people who don't? And I've been asking myself that question a lot lately, considering you know we've got Thanksgiving coming up here in a couple of days. We are meant to give thanks for what we have and we will, but I'm also reminded of those who do not have. Um, and I always come back to then 
Be a kinder person. That's something that's free. You can just be kind. Don't look out for yourself so much. In essence, be less American, as is the most en vogue definition. Be, be I'm going to say it, be a real American, by the book American, and remember the values of honesty and humility. Ed said earlier in the song, if you hate something, don't you do it too. So I'm going to say that what this section says to me is we have to find a way to think about how, yeah, maybe may ignorant and naive when we think about it from our adult brains, looking at, at how kids speak to each other in brutal honesty. Uh, but there's something to that. And instead of being cynical as we, as we grow older, perhaps we should just grow wiser and uh, turn that naive honesty into empathy and humility towards everybody else. So there's my Thanksgiving uh, uh, appropriate, uh, I guess, definition or uh, analysis of these lyrics. What, what do you think? Well, you know, when I take a look at lyrics like this, all that's sacred comes from youth. I find that so interesting because there's a famous saying that says, uh, youth is wasted on the young, mm-hmm. you know, this examination of the folly of youth and, and how when you're young, you don't appreciate what it is that you have. Uh, but this idea that the, I don't, maybe it's the naivety, but it's also the idealism and the ability to dream that comes from youth. And so much of that gets squashed or manipulated or exploited as we grow older and we become jaded and we start to question the efficacy, the uh, legitimacy of, of dreams, of ambitions, of goals. So there's something to be said, this idea that what comes from youth is sacred. And, and, and in so many ways, when you have kids, you, you see moments with them are so priceless and sacred. And uh, I think that line is, it, it makes a salient point in a lot of ways. Uh, dedications, naive and true. So this, this plays up what I was talking about here with no power, nothing to do. And again, that's part of the frustration. You know, that's the, the youth loves to organize. They love to march. They love to protest. Part of that is because they feel powerless because they, they don't have the ability to, to cast, um, congressional votes per se. And, and I know that Others would argue and say, well, they do. They get to elect officials, and those officials can speak for them. Well, and also, as we learned with Citizens United, money equals free speech, and young people generally don't have as much money as older generations. Right, and that's the thing, is that we talk all all the time about that. And I'm not saying, hey, you know, Paul's a a jaded, disillusioned, old curmudgeon, and and I'm saying saying don't don't even bother voting and and marching because it's... it's, No, I'm not saying that at all. I I think those things matter. I think those things are effective. I effective and effective. However, I also acknowledge, as you said, that money in a lot of ways does manipulate and, and it talks. And sometimes we, we have dedications that we in our youth make towards another person or towards an ideal, and they are very naive, but they also are very true. But when you have no power and there's nothing to do, I still remember, why don't you, don't you? It's this idea that as we start to grow older, we start to forget what used to fuel us. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Mike McCready talked a little bit about that in the, in the track Inside Job, where, where, you know, the ending of that song, while, while lyrically these are not the, 
what I would call exemplary lyrics. I think um, the examination that they make of, of evaluative critical thinking, looking through this lens of saying, I used to try to kill love, but that was the highest sin. This, this idea that you, you really have an opportunity when you're young to be passionate and that, that there's being passionate sometimes is frowned upon as, as not being critical, not, not being shrewd, not, not thinking forward. But, but at, at the same time, you know, we don't have to view passion as the equivalent of falling victim to vices. I think that's a false equivalency. I, I think ultimately it's being passionate is what makes us human. It's part of the human condition. And we are never more passionate, I think, than we are when we're young because we're passionate about so much. I think as we grow older, those passions become targeted and focused and filtered into, into more narrow directions. And so we find that we're passionate about fewer and fewer things, but the things we're passionate about become that much more meaningful and priceless to us, which is okay. And that's part of the, the process of aging and maturing. So I just think that lyrics like these, uh, they showed a very, um, prescient nature within Eddie. I, I find that they're very mature for a, a singer songwriter at this stage of his career. And they, they, I think they speak volumes about what Eddie used to do, which is, I don't want to say idealized youth, but he definitely was able to articulate what made youth precious in his early songwriting. And, and as he's grown older and his songwriting has evolved, I don't think he's necessarily lost that touch. 100% agreed. Let's go on to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! Live cut of the week this week of Not For You, going back to 94? Yep. Where are we going? We're going to the Orpheum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to the Orpheum. Uh, you know, what's, what's special about April 12th, 1994 is not just the release of this album. I think what's special about it is the sound engineering and the production that we get on a show like this. Because when you get those early boots from the first four to six years, I mean, I, God, do I ever wish we'd get some from that No Code Tour one of these days. But until then, the ones from from the Versus Tour, I think, are little gems because we have a lot from 10 in verses. Vitology is to me that there's, there's, it's that sacred ground of, of bootlegs where you get some of these songs that are so intimate and they're played with such immediacy and equal intimacy. And this particular setting here, uh, there's a fantastic version of um, Immortality here where Ed actually plays around with the lyrics during the set. Uh, but not for you. The percussion just it it echoes. I mean, you feel it. It echoes in your chest when you when you when you turn it up here. Uh, I just think that it's it's the type of a performance that felt. And a lot of people would say, "Hey, you know, why don't you uh, <laughs> why don't you pick a, a version where they're literally staring at record execs and letting them know how they feel?" And we all know <laughs> that version. But I think that's too on the nose. I think that there was something meditative about this particular performance, but it was equally as impassioned and charged. And so, and, and the production value is off the charts. I mean, it just sounds outstanding. 
All right, let's go to Boston, Massachusetts on April 12th, 1994. This song is about uh, people who don't have taste, but they uh, like us anyway. It's called Not For You.
you mentioned it before we heard the song. Uh, we could have easily chosen Social Field. Mm-hmm. However, the point that he, oh, the, he, the band was playing this song for fan club members uh, in honor of their crew in a tiny club one night after playing the garden, the Boston Garden. It's almost like we're playing this song for you guys about the ones who it's not for. And it's like the, the ones that he's, that he sings these lyrics for, I'm sorry. He sings these lyrics, I guess, about, uh, I mentioned in my retracting about how I think Ed is trying to, uh, sing on behalf of those who feel the same way. Um, almost like he's the the captain of the ship of the have nots kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that this was the exact moment you could do that because it was as intimate and amongst the most uh, avid supporters of the group at the time. In a lot of ways, this is like a, a, a reaction to the singles premiere party, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great shout. So I like this choice. Um, musically speaking, I think there's, something about Dave playing this song versus anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. That's awesome. He, you said the beat, this, this song's all about the rhythm section. Um, the whole album is very rhythmic and it's not, not a lot of guitar solos here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And what's happened since then is they've added solos like the, you know, the end of immortality, the end of, uh, or the, the solo to corduroy. If they've really accentuated those things in the live aspect now, which I'm all here for because, you know, Mike McCready. But uh, here, this is great. This is great. Um, like I said, the venue, the circumstance, Ed is on fire. Uh, it's it's a wonderful performance. And and because there are a lack of good sounding, uh, you know, 94, early 95 yeah. shows. Post versus to no code. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard to find anything better than this. So, yep, Orpheum. There you go, guys. Uh, let us know what you think about that. Uh, if you got a better version out there, I'd uh, love to know. There you go. That's the episode. And um, we hope that uh, our American friends out there uh, celebrate Thanksgiving uh, well with family and friends. Uh, enjoy themselves. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode as we enter the month of December. Oh, the weather outside. You're you are you you're you're the Clark Griswold of my friends, and you definitely have that house regurgitating, uh, uh, you know, lights and oh, Christmas Yule tide up the yin yang in the house. I'm not gonna lie, the transformation has already begun. Jesus Christ, can you? I know. I I, I I was gonna let fall, just just breathe, just let it have its time. Problem is, I started this back in September, man. So after a while, you just look around, you're thinking, okay, you know what it was? I'm I'm gonna end on this note. And those who are listening to this are going to mock me mm-hmm. endlessly for this. I was willing to just enjoy just fall football and family. Okay, I, was, mm-hmm. I was ready. However, this past weekend, we were at the mall and uh, the family wanted to go into Bath and Body Works. I, it's, I don't know what to tell you, man. You walk in there and it just smells like whatever Christmas is supposed to smell like. And there's something about aromatherapy. It, it gets in your mind. I'm telling you, if you ever want to manipulate the mind, Bath and Body Works, I, I, they're CIA operatives. They have to be. 
they just have to be. I go in there and it's you walk out of there and you're like, all right, it's happening. It started. It's already begun. I am now there. It literally they, they transport you. They knew. They put the pine and the and the cinnamon up front, and they probably had like a free. I challenge you and anyone listening to this. Walk into Bath and Body Works in the next week. And when you come out, if you are not ready to turn the page to Christmas, I'll be ready. To I call you page. a liar. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll turn the page on to Christmas after Thanksgiving. Then do not go into Bath and Body Works until after oh, Black Friday. I, I shan't. I, I, in, in fact, I can't tell you the last time I went to a Bath and Body Works. I will say, by the way, that if you go to a Williams Sonoma, they get you in the mood too because they got the free they hot do. chocolate. And they yeah. got like the chocolate the, candles, <sighs> fragrance <Wow>. soaps. <laughs> Listen, I'll break out the tinsel in a week. All right, give me, give me, give me a break here. I, I, All I, right, you should see my menu. My menu is crazy, bro. I got excited. like I got like eight things I'm doing. How I, I don't, the listeners are lucky we didn't waste the first 25 minutes of this podcast talking about what we're cooking for Thanksgiving. We've been talking about broccoli casseroles and, and potato gratin and, and turkey yeah. and brining. Instead, they get a 15 minute you, bath um, and body works conversation at the end you, of the podcast. Are you a wet, but wet brine or dry <laughs> brine kind of guy? Uh, probably a wet brine. I don't know. Ooh, I'm uh, a dry brine. Yeah, you can't go wrong either way. Well, two on that note, find out. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out we what Jason and Paul ate on Thanksgiving. Okay, again, seriously, uh, enjoy your holiday for our, all of our international listeners. Ignore. Hey, the can last I make a suggestion? After, after every American listener is yeah. done with Thanksgiving, they're going to be so bloated mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to do anything. So during that time, that decompressing time, while you are digesting your mm-hmm. wonderful feast, you should jump onto your favorite podcast hosting app. And you should rate, review, and subscribe. You should do that. And uh, feed the algorithm. Paul, I want to let you know. I should have mentioned it at the top of the show. Uh, we have passed a thousand followers on Instagram. Oh, so I'm very happy with. We this. should commemorate this. I'm somehow. very proud of our of our. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, there you go. There's there's the. Rub. I there's, give thanks to all circle. of you listening. Thank you to everybody that that got us to over a thousand. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. And you know what? Next week, two thousand. Come on, hey, that's a that's delicious. a bold move. I like it. It's a it's a vitology kind of move. Until next week, when we talk about God knows what, you're listening to <laughs> the state of love and trust. Yeah.